0: This episode is brought to you by Spironi. Revolutionize your shop floor with Spironi, where cutting-edge technology meets craftsmanship. Elevate precision, amplify productivity. Spironi, experience, tradition, the future. Hello, and welcome back to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we turn the hum of a factory into a symphony of culture. I'm your host, Jim Mayer. Don't forget to keep the good times rolling at manufacturingculturepodcast.com and give us a shout on on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's keep this party going online. Now, folks, I need you to stop what you're doing and listen up. We've got a guest today who's so electric, so dynamic, you'll feel like you've been hit by a bolt of lightning. Give it up for the one, the only, the absolutely mind-blowing Jacob Sanchez. Hold on to your caps because Jacob's story starts with a full cooking class. Yeah, you heard that right. But the universe had bigger plans. It said, step aside, Gordon Ramsay. We've got ourselves a manufacturing aficionado. Jacob's not just any ace, though, folks. We're talking about a founding member of Titans of CNC Academy, straight out of high school. Have you ever heard of a career trajectory that skyrockets like a SpaceX launch? That's Jacob. Six years as a five-axis CNC mastermind, Jacob's been elbows deep in aerospace, medical tech, you name it. But wait, it gets even crazier. He's been bitten by the automation bug and now he's automating like a robot on Red Bull. If you think I'm hyped, get this. His LinkedIn channel is popping. Nearly 5,000 followers and over 4 million views. Jacob's out there making waves as a public speaker and a megaphone for Gen Z. You want inspiration? This guy's like a walking, talking, fireworks show. Get ready to be shaken, stirred, and absolutely revitalized. Jacob's here to inject a mega dose of passion and bring down the house with his zest for our industry. Jacob, Welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I'm pumped up, so let's blow the roof off this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob Sanchez. How are you doing today, my
1: friend? You know, man, I'm I'm uh, happy that this is actually not a video podcast right now because I was blushing. <laughs> I was, <you> know, <laughs> I had to. I had to hide my face in it, man. And that was awesome. That was an amazing
0: intro. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. And and maybe that's uh, uh, just a yet another push for, for me to do video because I would love to see people's <laughs> facial reactions as they hear these intros. I think that would be uh, a fun thing to see.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm just going to, dude, I'm going to get that on a recording. I'm going to play that every morning when I wake up. That's going to get me ready for my day. <laughs>
0: uh, I think you just said that I'm like Stuart so- Smalley from SNL back in the day. Uh, that might be, uh, as you being a Gen Z person, that, that might be before your time. But Google Stuart Smalley SNL when we're done today. And right. check that out because, gosh darn it, you're good enough. Dude, um okay. <laughs> So Jacob, uh, today we're going to go through your story, man. I I really, I want to hear your story. I I mean, your bio was awesome. The conversation that we had was awesome a couple of weeks ago. Um, You and I have been connected for quite a bit of time on on LinkedIn, a couple of years, I think, Um, but we've never had a conversation. and, And that's kind of the fun part of this podcast. I'm having conversations with people that I've been connected with, but never really actually talked to or for lack of a better term met in person. So, um you and I get to meet at Fabtech that's coming up. People yeah, who are listening, awesome. it'll be way before this episode comes out, but that's okay. Um but I'm excited to hear your story. I'm excited to ask you some questions about your perspective on the industry. So, are you ready to get started?
1: Yeah, I mean, you already hit it on the the head a little bit with that whole the cooking class thing, man. I'll jump in with letting everybody know this industry was never, never a part of my future, present, past. Like This was nothing to me. <laughs> I, I grew up with no knowledge of how I got the things that I was using every day. Um, I was a little hustler kid and because I grew up in California. I grew up in a small town in California. I was a little hustler kid since I was like, I think in first grade, I, I get told stories of me being a scoundrel. <laughs> um and one of one of them was apparently I used to charge kids uh bark to use the slide like on the playset and if they didn't pay me in bark I would like shove them off the playset <laughs> in in my defense the bark was everywhere um and are we talking like bark
0: off of a tree
1: no bark off of the place like because the because they had like in the playground
0: like the chips the bark chips that oh my gosh in my defense
1: it was everywhere like you, (laughs) you could grab it on your way up um but apparently i was just a little little scoundrel good for nothing um and the only careers i ever saw even like growing up and stuff was my mom working two jobs so barely saw her but i knew she was like just worked in like medical. I didn't know what she did. And then the dad that raised me, um, I saw him do construction stuff. So like building homes. He's a contractor. Yep. But that was literally it. Other than that, like my aunts were worked in schools, like as the office ladies. So that was those were the only three careers I ever saw in my entire childhood. Wow. Um, My my goal that everybody like instilled in me throughout my schooling was like Jacob, just please Please finish fifth grade, Jacob. Please make it to eighth grade. Okay, you're in high school now, buddy. You gotta graduate high school. Okay, that was like well, that was it.
0: Just mini goals for you along the way. Uh, of hit just this surviving. milestone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So I never, dude. There was never a job I was looking forward to. There was because even like the construction stuff my dad did. I tried to get into it, and I remember him telling me one day he was like, "Buddy, I want you to know." That I don't want you to do this work. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to have to do what I do. Like, find something to use your head. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean use my head? I get freaking, I barely get C's in school. What, 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 this head's <laughs> not working, dad. Um, and so that was weird. That was a weird thing to have and not being able to look forward to anything. Um, the only like experience I've ever had with. I guess I don't know, robots in general was freaking growing up loving Iron Man. Like, <laughs> ah. like to me, Tony Stark and, and Iron Man, that was that's what an engineer was. Like that's how cool you can be to invent things. And because it's a movie and it's fake, I obviously associated that job with being fake for me. Sure. Um and yeah, it wasn't until high school when I moved to a new school freshman year, and I was picking my electives. And I try I want obviously because I wanted to get my easy A's and finish school. <laughs> um, I tried to get cooking class, try to get home ec. Yeah. And like every other freshman in my school of like a few thousand, they tried to get it too. And I got kicked out because <laughs> it's priority based. And so you get thrown into whatever electives are open. And engineering elective was open. And dude, I was so mad. <laughs> I was furious. I sat in the back of the classroom, knowing nobody, hanging out with like the grungy skater kids. <laughs> and one of the first like the, the icebreakers was you had to make a paper airplane. Like who can make the paper airplane the best to go the farthest? Mm. I can't stress enough how much I've always hated arts and crafts throughout school. And so I was. I I wish I could explain the anger, man. I, it was unreal. Um. And long story short, with that is I ended up staying after school in that program because it was the only one that um, like the teacher would just stay late because he was just a monster, man. He was a bio ag teacher teaching CNC machining, manufacturing, engineering, like not in his field. And he was always writing grants and stuff. And I didn't like going home, so I asked him. I was like, hey, if I if I clean your machines, can I like stay after school? And he said, yeah. So I started doing that and I started asking questions outside of class. He started showing me things. I eventually um, started machining on a manual lathe for the first time. I made a ring and I remember wearing that ring around school and all these adults and kids being so impressed, asking how I made it. I told them I made it. They looked at me like I was stupid and like that. (laughs) And then once I saw that, dude, I was like, oh, I was All like, right. I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. And then I started diving in, man. Then it consumed the rest of my high school career. No kidding. No kidding. That's awesome. I, I love that,
0: that, the angst, the, you could almost feel the teenage angst that you had oh, uh, just dude. sitting in the back of that room, just fuming and, it was and then disgusting. not wanting to go home and just finding something to do um i, I love that story man it's yeah great.
1: and especially because i was a reader too so like when i first moved to that new school said so i didn't have any friends there so right. i would like read um during lunch and i remember i remember after i graduated high school my mom telling me she's like you know when you uh came home from school your first day and told me that you read during your lunch i cried and i was like oh thanks mom oh <laughs> uh, like, okay that's Thank you for telling me that. Three years later, it's exactly what I need to hear. Because um, I was, I loved. I've always loved reading. Man, it was funny that I was, I was bad at school not because I didn't try, but because I didn't see a point in it. Because sure. if, cause school is, is honestly, it seems pointless when like you see no end goal to it other than to finish. Yeah. And so I would, I would actually do my homework and I would do my work, but I would turn it in late or not turn it in at all. Mm-hmm. Not be, so it's not like the work wasn't getting done I was just being lazy because I didn't see a point yeah um, or if you're teaching me something that I don't see a point in how i'm going to use it I, my brain can't associate it with anything so it doesn't want to do it mm-hmm. um, but reading man I'd read the heck out of books all day long um but that's a funny thing nobody knows is that uh, it's not like I was bad at school because when I actually did end up going to um because I wasn't going to college out of high school either that's the whole thing people at my school like my um executives like the principal and stuff they didn't think i was going to amount to anything because i was all in cnc machining and manufacturing i'm doing um i was doing machinist meetups for local businesses at 16 um wow. as you said i was working with titans of cnc academy helping develop and start the academy outside of the prison system that's where it started
0: Right, so uh, let, let's. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but good. you have to tell the story of how that came about, yeah, because so the, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, the Titans of CNC Academy, which anybody can look up now, um, started in the prison system. Titan Gilroy started in the prison system, he had his own CNC machine shop. His whole background is unreal, so lo- look into that. Um, but my school was 15 minutes away from a shop in Rockland, and so, um, Stuart which was my mentor for the longest time would come to the school to work with us after. And so I would spend a bunch of time with this guy. And then he told Ty and he was like, Hey man, the school, like the kids are insane. there. like, we got to do something. And so we were like the Guinea pigs for the first ever use of the curriculum outside of the prison system. Wow. It was me and four of my friends, I think is like who it started with. And then it got worked into all of the other periods um, in the, in the class. And yeah, I'd work with, um, Stuart. Oh, dude. I would be in there during football games. I'd be in there on weekends. I'd be in there. I would be in my math class finishing a quiz and I'd say, Hey teacher, can I go to Dan's, um, <laughs> to go, to, to go work on this? And, and then they would be like, um, and then I, <laughs> and then I'd pipe in and say, well, just so you know, if you do say no, I'm just gonna ask to go to the bathroom and go anyways. So, <laughs> so if you say yes, you'll know where I am and I can come back. Um we're gonna save a whole lot of time if you just say yes. <laughs> um and so that was insane, man. Um yeah, I was helping I was helping other schools and other teachers. I was helping teach teachers at 17 how to use this curriculum and implement it. Wow. Um Tie-in hired me right out of high school because I was telling all of my friends and my teacher was all about it. And then other teachers like, yeah, I'm going to be a CNC machinist and do this. And they all thought I wasn't going to amount to anything because I wasn't going to college after. Yeah. Um, so they just roped me off. Right. And yeah. I graduated with a Gene Haas Foundation Scholarship. Um, wow. tie-in hired me right out of high school. I started Job Shop. I was running... Uh, one, two... I was running, f- I was running three to four machines a day, um, two op A's, usually an op B, and then the fourth is usually a setup or some programming. Wow. Um, for for what five years almost? Because I was I was programming since I was fifteen and machining since I was fifteen, but actually in production started at eighteen. Wow. Um, and two years into that is when we started going full video production at Titans, where he's wow. like, "You're not going to get paid to make parts anymore. You're going to get paid." Because people are going to (laughs) pay us. And I was like, all right. Everybody was just like, okay. And so, dude, the journey learning, social, and being an on-camera talent, and coming up with these ideas to teach people about CNC machining, like it was crazy. That's wild. Um, And that was all while we were in California still, man. I I helped um, me, Tyian, and some of the team would go to a lot of college for award ceremonies. We'd go to help the teachers out. Um, I would still do that in my free time. I love programming, dude. I was, a uh, oh my God, ball tracking. I love ball <laughs> tracking, dude. Um, it, some people may not know about the term ball tracking. It's, um, 3d profiling finishing. Um, but that was one of my favorite skill sets that I developed. Um, but yeah, man. And then I was with them when they moved to Texas, I was a part of getting a lot of the, um, partnerships that they got and the fanic one is what got me an automation dude when i had to make my own robot cell from scratch on a robo drill <laughs> one of the fastest mini machines in the industry in yep. um it hit me i i was programming collaborative robots industrial robots to go lights out machine and i was like this is awesome because i have no idea what i'm doing and it's hard and i like it <laughs> um, you've never taken the easy route have you dude that <laughs> None of my skill sets I have were ever trained into me. Like I learned them on the spot. That's Um, awesome. And even when I left Titans, when I left Titans and I went to my application engineering job that I had for almost two years in Michigan, where I know zero people, no coworkers, no (laughs) family, nothing. um, I was not qualified to be an engineer. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have anything. Um, And they hired me because of the skill set I learned being a machinist and then i learned how to be an engineer um dude it was a it was a wild ride i guess that kind of sums up to me now i started my linkedin um channel when i got that engineering job because i missed making content i've been doing that for two years now and you already said the numbers for the channel on linkedin i'm starting a uh a TikTok soon later um in 2023 Wow, um, I might actually have to download TikTok. If you're going to be on there, that might be
0: what pushes me over. Oh yeah, edge into actually downloading that app. I, I've stayed away from it. I've had people say you've got to create TikToks. I don't know what a TikTok is,
1: man. Uh, I, just, I just know it's going to be easier for me than diving into. I want to do YouTube, but I know the work that goes into a good beautiful production type youtube channel and i just don't have the time for it right now so i know i can do tiktok
0: yeah there you go i like it uh so so tell us a little bit
1: more about what your role is now with with the organization you're with she has to i'm living life to the fullest i love this new job um industry analyst and content creator for industrial strength marketing um i do i do a lot with biz dev though do a lot of business development um Industry analyst allows me to still go to these trade shows and further my application skills and actually understand processes and technologies, um, because now I can sit in on our meetings with our clients where they ask us, "Well, what do you know about us?" And you got Jacob piping up over here. Well, actually, I used to use this. I used to use your product (laughs) in this situation, and I've seen other colleagues use your product and your competitors in this situation. And then they're like, "Oh, you speak my language. Let me talk." Right. That's awesome. Um, and so I've been loving it, man. And they st- and they support the heck out of my personal channel, uh, and all my personal assets uh, that I try to pursue with education, going into schools, public speaking, podcast. Um, they love it.
0: Yeah. So it, speaking of the the next generation, uh, you do work a lot with first robotics, right?
1: Yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing that since for six years. So when I was what when I was seventeen? Okay. Yeah, so seventeen or eighteen is when I started. Um, I'd actually get calls from up and down the coast in California of schools six hours away in Napa asking, "Will you come judge my competition?" Because I heard that you were you judged this competition in Central Valley and you were awesome, and so I'd actually drive six hours uh, to Napa Valley judge a competition that was FTC, oh. um, and t- I like to say. <laughs> I like to say I'm the youngest judge that first doesn't know they have because <laughs> technically <laughs> technically, uh, I have never been allowed to judge the competitions that I do because of my age. Really? They They have age restrictions, but the teachers have always – or the judge advisors, whoever runs the organization, has always signed off because I have the actual industry experience well over any of these other judges yeah um so they've always they've always seen that it was the right thing to do and i've always proved that it was uh well worth it Uh, and i've been doing it for six years now and um if it makes them feel better i'll be legal at the end of this year i'll be (laughs) i'll be i'll be 25 so you know (laughs)
0: Oh, It's so odd to hear somebody say, I'll be legal when talking about judging. I mean, if you've got the skill set, you've got the skill set, right?
1: Well, it's, it's also it's all, they do it just because for certain groups, because it goes all the way down to like first graders. So FLL, FTC and FRC. I only ever judged FTC. And mm-hmm. so they required, I think, 21. So I wasn't that far off. Um I think it was 18 or 21 actually. So I was I was a little off. Um but when you get down to like FLL and stuff they want you to I think be 20 24 or 25 or something just because it's the younger kids, you know. Yeah. Um so I I totally respect it. Um and that's why I always told whoever was running the organization I was like, "Look, here's my experience. Like I've been doing it for this long. You can say yes or no. Um I love working with the kids. Um it also helps that I have already the education experience of working with those students to begin with. Yeah. Um they also do a great job of doing the safety background checks. I had to get fingerprinted and all this stuff. Yeah. Um dude, I don't regret 1 minute of it. I love doing FLL, FTC and FRC. The older kids are the ones that I'll actually interview and wow. get on camera and let them tell some of their story. Yeah. That's that stuff is super powerful, man. Um and it's kind of fun with like the FLL kids just being there in the moment and experiencing it. Dude, I got I have two quick stories on that. One of them is because uh, they present to a judge, and so this last year it was about um, renewable energy. So they could pick like they could pick uh, solar, they could pick EV, whatever, mm-hmm. and they would present it to the judges. And then the competition with the robots they build is around that theme as well. Okay. So the younger kids, so these are like third graders, um, had this presentation, and they did it like a little news newscast. And so they had little microphones, little props, and they're talking to us in the room, and they're like, and now for a quick commercial break. And they go be doo be do and they start organizing their equipment into like a new set. And then when we're back from the commercial break, one of the one of the um people, one of the kids has on a lap coat, and then the little girl was like, and we have with us a scientist. <laughs> <We> said, <laughs> Um that that was an amazing moment for me, and I'll never forget that. That's um, awesome. Little mini
0: Tony Guns out there, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um that was an amazing moment. And then another one where I actually had my first emotional moment was um you you'll have I'm trying to phrase this the politically correct way. Um you'll have Uh, a diverse group of students at these competitions um some on the spectrum some with just some different uh ways of dealing with like emotions and mental states and so you have have to interact with them um in a uh, in a more relaxed and just take your time kind of way you gotta have patience Um, more neurodiverse yeah yeah. Um, and so I, I understand, I understand that pretty well. It, some of the other older judges don't understand all the time. And so we have some good talks in the room. Um, but there was this one time where I was interviewing a team. Uh, it was, it was F this one was FTC. So older, a little older kids, not high school yet. Um, but like sixth to eighth grade Okay. and super cool team. It was fun to talk to. And, um, I, Remember, one of them, uh, you can tell, was uh, nervous and maybe a little more shy and just uh, different in the group. And so I like to make sure that they can have a chance to interact and engage in these meetings because they, they're not always the first ones to talk. You can tell sometimes they have their roles. Yeah. And so I was like directing questions to her. Like she was actually like having fun answering them. She started piping in more um, towards the end. And long story short, that that team ended up actually winning an award during the competition and so we all line up in a row all the judges and stuff the, the kids run through high fives things like that to get their award well this team recognized me as one of the first judges they saw because they see i think like maybe 10 judges throughout the day yeah um and she like she like squeezed my hand like going through a thing and i was like hmm. i was like ah that's probably just they're probably just excited um and then once we're all cleaning up and stuff, I'm helping my judge advisor. This little this girl runs over to me, and like is all excited talking to her mom or maybe like a mentor or something. Like runs over to me and then hugs me, and like I throw my hands up in the air because I'm like, "What the frick is going on?" And like <laughs> look at my judge advisor, and he's just laughing, and he walks away, and this this girl is like. Thank, thank you so much for for judging us and being here at the competition with us. You don't know how much this award means to us. She's talking super fast, um, and, da, 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 and I, I'm just so grateful. And I was like, oh yeah, I was like, you deserved it. And then she like went away, dude, oh, bro. I I like found the nearest curtain <laughs> and I went behind it and cried. I was like, oh this is this is nuts. Like I've judged these competitions for six years and I've never like felt like emotionally like this. Like it was, it was a crazy experience, man.
0: I mean, people who, uh, who are on the spectrum or, or neurodiverse in some way, shape or form, they're a great fit for manufacturing careers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, So I love that story. Well done. Yeah.
1: Th- yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And that's why I push people to go judge or go see or do something with these competitions. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. So, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you're, the gen Z advocate for manufacturing in my estimation. I mean, I, there may be other people out there who do what you do, but you're the one who I I've followed the longest. I, I know most about. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about generations in manufacturing, because we, we have four generations. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Uh, you know, the baby boomers on one side, the Gen Z's uh, on the other, you've got a really small population of, uh, Gen Xers. Uh, you've got a larger population of millennials. Um, and and then you've got the Gen Z's, which seem to be coming close to being able to, to level the playing field with the baby boomers, as far as the population is concerned.
1: Um, yeah
0: you know, you, you talked about how your dad didn't want you to get into construction. Um, and you know, I think that affected Gen X a lot, mm-hmm. uh, pre- people wanting something better for their, uh, children than what they knew manufacturing to be. Talk to us how that's kind of dynamic has shaped your perspective on yeah, the industry.
1: Yeah. A few, few quick things. The The whole I I like to say that I am the Gen Z advocate for manufacturing and automation and the the Gen Z voice for that. And I say that not as in a, it's us against everybody else. Sometimes people like to talk about their generations as it's a verse this, verse that. And at the end of the day, I just saw a gap in Gen Z's representation in this industry. And so I make sure to fill it where when people see Jacob, they think Gen Z yeah. so you can think about the generation as a whole, but I want do when it comes to what I'm trying to do for education and what I'm trying to do to change the industry. It's to change everybody. It's to help. I don't care what generation, millennial, Gen X, Gen B, Z, XYZ, <laughs> like, I Y, don't, Z. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. It's, a, it's like, it's how I feel with titles. I have a title that I like and enjoy just because I know I need it to get yeah. in certain doors. Yeah. Um, but I want this better for everybody, man. And something that you mentioned with um perceptions, generational perceptions of jobs. Yeah. Um, my the dad that raised me said that he didn't want me to be in construction, right? He didn't say that because he doesn't enjoy what he's doing. Like he was a contractor, he owned his own business. He loved building homes. He loves finishing bathrooms and kitchens, like the beauty in it. Yeah. He didn't want me to do it because he didn't think there was anywhere to go in it because of the perception that construction has in society. Um, And that's something that's starting to hope. I I see it changing and I'm hoping that it's changing in a way that I I think it is because I obviously don't see like millions of kids every year, but I see hundreds or a few thousand Um, and kids are starting to say, oh, well, I want to be a diesel mechanic. That's freaking dope yeah that is cool and that, there was a yeah there, there was a woman that or a young lady that said she's like yeah i want to be a diesel mechanic for this and this reason i was like that's freaking sweet um there's other kids wanting to still do those quote unquote dirty or dull um just remedial tasks that people aren't pushing anymore the kids want to do them yeah it's the disconnect is happening when they get into it and when they have their first bad experience from like an old head or somebody that doesn't enjoy their work, yep, that's when they get out. Yep. That's when they're like, Oh, this this is nasty. This is gross. Why would I want to do this for a career? And they take the boot and they go into some tech job or they go into maybe even just consumer good job or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the issue I see a lot of because I I go into schools and I'll do this thing, you know, when you used to get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) That, that question was a loaded question back then. If you said the, if you said the quote unquote wrong job, you're going to get told, Oh, well you shouldn't do that because of this and that. And so kids don't like hearing that. And so what I do when I do that question is, Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I ask a bunch of people and I try to get, kids, I think that'll give me a funny answer. I got a guy that told me, he's like, Oh, I want to be a stripper. <laughs> Everybody started laughing. And then I asked some other kids and they were like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I asked some other kids and they were like, Oh, I want to be, I want to be the diesel mechanic. I want to be this. I want to be a technician. And then I have gifts that I hand out. And I went and I handed out gifts, undiscriminatory, where I gave it to the kids that said, I don't know. I gave it to the, the stripper kid. <laughs> I gave it to um, the diesel mechanic. And you can see they visibly look confused. And I'm like, people, I want you guys to understand this. I don't care what you want to do. And yeah. you, you see all the kids like perk up, <laughs> like they, they visibly went inward. Like they leaned in like, what did he just say? Yeah. I don't, I don't care what you want to do. I care. If it's what you want to do, if you know in your heart that, man, I, I don't know what I want to do for work yet. Cool. I love that for you. I, I want to support you in the unknown and you being able to do whatever you think a passion is for you right now. Yeah. If, if you know what you want to do, cool. I want to support you in that. If you're just goofing around because you want to be funny and just joke around. Cool. I'll support you in that. If you know that it's something that you're doing, like that, I just want them to be true to themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you've never got. I feel like in a lot of the, um, the older generations, that, that sense of you knowing you, it was how does society know you? That's how does society the label you.
0: That's a powerful point. Uh, I think that's true um, because that, That question, uh, you know, in the 90s when I was going through middle and high school, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what you answered that really did that defined (laughs) your path. Uh, I did a lot better in it was called shop back then, um, wood shop and metal shop classes. I did. I I excelled in those. I, I was like you. I didn't like homework. I I didn't see the value in homework. I would get A's on tests and on essays. So why do I need to do the homework, the busy work? <laughs> so I saw shop class as the place where I didn't have homework. Right, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I was lazy. It was because I felt like that sense of pride at the end of the day um, when I could stand back and say I made this toolbox, or I made this gumball machine out of wood, right? I mean, that was what drove me. And then being part of that, you know, Gen X, that late Gen X group, that uh, was really pushed to university, whether it fits you or not. And uh, I went off to university and made it an entire semester. uh, Before I was like, this is dumb. Uh, I am, I'm not getting anywhere. I don't know what I want to be. Uh, I had gone into a philosophy. I mean, I changed majors three times in the first six days of, of my university experience. I uh, started as philosophy, then anthropology, then, uh, I think it was business. And then within the first two weeks, I knew it wasn't for me. Um, so I made it one semester and, and stopped going to school and learned to trade. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, that once you, for me, I didn't know that it still defined the young generation I didn't step out of my own way and, and start thinking, uh, do people still define young people by that question that they ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, it starts as, you know, I want to be a cowboy or an astronaut or a firefighter when they're really young to you know, I want to be a soccer player or I want to be whatever they start to idolize to in high school and late middle school, they're, they're able to verbalize a little bit more of what interests them. But it sounds like people are still defining the, the pathways that these young people are going to take based on an answer that you ask on the first day of school and and ask them to draw a picture about, right. That's wild to me.
1: I feel, I feel like now, It's less about the question because back then there was so, so much of the population still valued what that question meant and what it held for your status. But now I feel like it's been broken down through um, new age millennial thinking. And then a lot of the Gen Z being like, I don't care, but (laughs) now, but now people are judging in the school systems, especially off of action so now it's the kids that aren't going to college now it's the kids that aren't turning in their homework now it's the kids that aren't doing this now those are now all of them are potential problems like i would i was labeled a problem kid um in high school and so now it's switched up from asking this question and it's if if you don't care or if you don't know right away what you want to do well you're not going to be anything um and so that's that's part of the problem as well when it comes to inside the school systems
0: yeah i agree and and i i've had uh, some young people on the the show here jacob that uh they've talked about their mental health that they were going through oh yeah and what manufacturing technology type programs did for their mental health because they mm-hmm. were walking through life in uh, in high school and you know, it's, it's not just goth kids. It's not just the skaters that that are into this stuff, right? They're walking through high school and and not feeling like they had a place or, or a sense of belonging. Uh, this one young woman from New York was on the show and she said, you know, I, I was 16 years old. I was, you know, finishing my sophomore year of high school. I wanted to drop out. I was super depressed. I had anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents said I needed to, to, keep going to school uh but we found an alternative program for me and it was this Wimoko uh school in in northwestern uh New York and she said she started the the program and her anxiety went away or depression went away she found a place where she belonged uh with people that she felt like she belonged with um and and so she went through the final 2 years graduated um got a job in industry um mm-hmm. and i just recently had a follow up conversation off air uh with her and she it, it it goes back to that point you just made about the old heads. She had a couple of guys give her a hard time on a job site and now she wants to leave the industry altogether and join the military and, or, or something of that. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, man. So how do we change that dynamic? Yes. These (laughs) old heads that are so just, I don't know, man. It's it's brutal.
1: Since you opened up that can of worms, yeah, I'm glad that I'm not going to derail our conversation with this now that this is the next topic. Um, <laughs> mental health is also a big thing that I talk about on a lot of my podcasts that I've been on. If you stay till the end, you'll actually notice that I always um, drop a mental health uh, subject or tip, no matter what the topic was on beforehand. Oh, I um I, I haven't stayed till the end. I'm gonna start. So yeah. <laughs> I apologize
0: for not being the person who stayed till the end. And You're good, dude. I do it, it, off. I do
1: it, I do it on purpose. Uh <laughs> until the end. If whoever whoever stays stays. Um but me- mental health has been a big thing for me, even even recently. I mean, just just what? Just three weeks ago, I went through this week, week and a half uh sad spell where I was like, man, what is wrong with me like usually this is gone like after a week i like it's a week and a half is sticking around a little longer oh, um wow. but in high school man i lost three of my i lost two of my friends and one of my cousins um is there a politically correct way to uh i know sometimes the words triggering um they they are not around anymore by their own accord um got it so two two of my friends, one of them was my wrestling partner, um, and then yeah, my cousin. Um, and it's something that so so three years, so high school is four years. Losing somebody every year almost is pretty wild, yeah. and it's something that a lot of the other generations don't really understand because I don't I don't know if that stuff was just I, maybe it's people like to say it's happening more now because of social media or it's hap- happening because of different types of bullying. You don't never know back then with how easy it was to just cover stuff up because people were ashamed. I don't know. But now it's very easy to know um, because of social media and holding digital vigils and stuff. Um, But man, that was, that was a big thing that I would get. I've been bullied. I like to say I've been bullied by freaking 40 year old men since I was 16. Um, I'd be going into these businesses, holding these machinist meetups to teach and help people. And there's these 30 year old guys coming in here and being like, why is he talking? Like somebody tell him to sit down. Like, dude, I've been laughed on. I've been laughed out of meetings, um, for my ideas. Um, and it's crazy. What I don't understand is. And you know, it has to be the culture and the older heads way of doing things because we lose the inclusion. Like you mentioned, man, manufacturing automation these classes these hands-on skills these traits give people a sense of pride and and yeah. owning an ownership of something that they can say i did that point at something and say i did that yeah why are we losing that inclusion when it comes to the big world when it comes to getting your big boy or big girl job and yeah. now you're an adult um we're losing that aspect of this used to be what filled me with pride and now it's something that just gives me a check. And that that mindset is what's filtering down to all the other younger generations where they're either going to leave because it's toxic or they're just going to be like, well, I'm going to do the bare minimum of my work then just so I can get my check yeah. and work on my side hustle that actually fills me with joy and fills me with pride and still gives me a little extra money. Yep, um, absolutely. It, it needs to be a change of how we talk about the work that we do, man. And uh, you know what? some of it does suck i'm gonna be <laughs> real some of, it, some of it in a lot of different industries not just our industry a lot of the work that we have to do just as humans isn't fun
0: yeah
1: and there has to be a way for you to find joy with the people you're around to make it through those days and then once you get out something that you can find more joy in yeah. but when we're lucky enough and i i say lucky and privileged with the highest sense to be in this industry or I have a good job and I have a good team, and I and if I was making work heck for somebody else, somebody new in this industry, like who am I to do that? Who am I to affect somebody else's trajectory for their life, man? I get so oh, yeah. I get so worked up um, when I see kids going to trade shows, and I say kids loosely. I'm t- I'll, I still get called a kid. I'm 24. <laughs> so I use that term loosely. Younger, just younger people going to trade shows yeah. and going up to a booth and like trying to talk about it or something and people ignoring them yeah grown, grown adults ignoring this person trying to gain knowledge or want to find out about what it is you do and because you don't see them and see dollar signs you're not giving them the time of day i get so worked up dude
0: that's that's the potential next generation of this industry and they they should be the ones that you're inviting in teaching a little bit more because they may not know the technology. They may not have done their research ahead of time uh, of the show to plan out their, their experience, knowing what they need for their shop.
1: And, right? out, and outside of that too, outside of it being a potential workforce, imagine when that can do for, let's say you have your internal employees, your internal team, because a workforce isn't just new people you can hire. It's your team. That's right. the work force that's driving the company now, imagine if you can instill some pride and mentorship or leadership in that, I don't know what people call them um, at companies, but like that trouble, that trouble employee that has that bad attitude. Imagine if you can give them some type of responsibility and it changes them. Like talking to that kid or engaging with that young person can also affect your team. Even if it's just for a moment, man, getting that feeling in your gut of you just, you see that fire light up in that person's eyes where you just help them discover something that should bring pride to you, no matter what you do and who you are. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So how do, how do we change this paradigm, Jacob? I mean, from, from your perspective,
1: I have a few things when it comes to like, at trade shows and community events, which I kind of group together. And then when it comes to your internal vibe, mm-hmm. um, and this, I try to do this blanketing because what you really should is look at the population of different demographics that are in your business. And within that, look at which ones are in leadership positions and who is under them. Because you just have to understand that you have to talk and have to engage and offer these generations different things. You There is no offering everybody the same and expecting everybody to just be neutral and be happy. Some people are going to be upset more than others. Um, So taking that leadership dive, where's my demographics? Where are those demographics in my leadership? And where are they at within the rest of the team? And I uh, actually work with a lot of companies to do internal um, development. For a lot of aspects of their business, there's this one company that I work with where I got them to change up their benefit package, and they're in the man- they're a manufacturing company. Um, they now offer unlimited vacation time, and they have a I gave them this tiered benefit package that I, I put in different offerings depending on the lifestyle I know a lot of Gen Z has, or a lot of Millennial has, and Gen X. So now they can choose and pick these offerings to suit their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and it's just these little things you can do up front to make people happier when they come in. Start them off on the right foot. Um, and that's for your internal team. Um, offering offering community events and outings that don't always have to be some big company thing. Because a lot of those sometimes feel awkward <laughs> and forced. Um, but offering these things for people to just go hang out as a group together as a group of friends Um, that that's also the only F word I should ever hear in the workplace. Do not use the family word, kill that, destroy it, get rid of it. Um, I know some people are still like, well, it depends just call each other colleagues or friends like just leave leave family for thanksgiving i don't care
0: (laughs) it's really hard to hold uh grandma or grandpa accountable the way that you need (laughs) to hold each other accountable uh in in the workplace right i I, that's always been a huge pet peeve of mine and i've gone back and forth with people at conferences and and uh, trade shows and events over this subject and maybe this maybe that's what we can dive into in part two of this conversation when we it uh via video but yeah uh i mean that that's one of my biggest pet peeves that, as well that's
1: a whole nother thing but that, yeah. that's that's what to do with i think internal um strategies when it comes to external um i want businesses to understand this you guys know you can open up your doors to people right mm-hmm. like something that i pitch a lot of companies to do is actually having their own Community days, like you're you're confused on why people don't know about these trades and why people don't know what your business does. Open up your doors. Pick a Saturday, pick a Sunday where you can have a few team members pay them some extra money to come in on a weekend, bring the family, and do some tours or run some demos and get some food. Have like a pollock or something. Make it your own little community fun event to let these kids in, let these families come in. The big thing is you got to let if you want to change culture and you want to change perspective, it's not just what's happening inside your business. It's what's happening at home. Yeah. If people are making other people feel like if I say I'm in a manufacturing job, I'm dirty, then they're going to think they're freaking dirty. Yep. Um, it's not just changing what you're doing. It's not just changing the kids' mindsets. All of us as colleagues and grown adults need to change how we're thinking about this holistically. And a lot of people just don't know there's a huge population out there that isn't in manufacturing and they don't know. Yeah. Um, so op- open up your doors. Yeah. That's, I, that's a community thing. Um, what were you going to say? Uh, I, I love
0: that. I, I, you know, I, my job is to go in and talk with people about their culture internally mm-hmm. um, and shame on me. Uh, I just learned something from, the one the only jacob sanchez here um i need to start talking with them about that external factor as well um because that's that's a huge part of of creating that that company culture
1: i'm i'm thankful to say that i'm starting to get a lot more companies um get some trust in me and um instill some responsibility in me to prove to them that this works i'm working with um was working with Amper Technologies on a community day event that'll hap- uh, most likely happen next year if we still follow through. Um, I guess the company that gave me my robot arm—they yeah. gave it to me from from Germany because they believed in what I was doing for education and they wanted me to have something to actually show people out in the real world. I'm going to be taking this thing to stores, to parks, to random places to show just the. I say average Joe loosely, I guess, just civilians out there that aren't in our world. Yeah. Understand just a little bit more that this stuff isn't scary. Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I, we, I think a lot of people think that metal parts like grow in the ground fully formed. Right. <laughs> and um, so th- that that's an important job. And thank you for doing it.
1: And it's not a bash on them. If anything, it's a bash on us. Like I, I I'll take full responsibility for somebody in my area not understanding this piece of technology because what am i doing to get out there and help them understand it's not it's not their job to know where their water bottles and stuff come from but it should be part of our job if i'm a pet um, mold making like distributor manufacturer whatever to educate the world on like let's say plastics for example people still think plastics have a really bad rap when it comes to um the environment and recyclability um, and it's something that hinders the plastics industry. Well, plastics industry companies, all you people out there start doing more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Change it. I, I, I'm confused. Um, and at trade shows, just to finish that up with the round three at trade shows, look for ways to actually get the demographic that you want to the show. If you're, if you're really focused on, I don't know, like. People from 21 to 25 in this demographic find a school, find a college in your area or in the show's area. Reach out to them on how you can get a group of 50 of them to the show, and just do it. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing else. There's nothing else to say there. And if, and if it's a money thing, guess what? I bet you we're all about business. We're all about swinging deals. And maybe this is just the first grade hustler in me, but. Work with a partner or a distributor or a company and say, "Hey, you know what? We want to do this thing with these 50 students. We can make this a cross-branding promotion for us. You give us this amount of money, we put in this amount of money. We can brand it on socials. They can visit our booth. Your booth will bring some buzz around it." Yeah, I you love know what it. I'm saying? Keep doing that until you get a yes.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, so Jacob, we're, we're nearing the end here. And so there will be a part two for anybody out there listening. We will do a part two with Jacob and we will, uh, do it via video because I want to see his reaction the next time okay. I do an intro for him. Um, but you've got a busy schedule coming up. Uh, I know by the time this airs, a lot of things, uh, that are happening in the next week or so will already be complete like pack expo, mm-hmm. fact tech, et cetera. What does the rest of 23 and the, the start of 24 look like for Jacob uh, Sanchez? At,
1: so let's let's say the next week's done. So FabTech and Packaging Square are done. Um, I have a Manufacturing Day road tour that I will be going on for Industrial Strength Marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, the companies are still a secret, but that's going to be a very big thing that we're going to be pushing on our channels. Um, I have I'm speaking at the Task Event in wow. novi about um lights out automation um how to make money doing it and what lights out automation really means that's um awesome. that's going to be amazing i am going to japan for three weeks what uh, i'm going to, to the i IREX 2023 robotics convention it is one of the largest robotics conventions in the world that's amazing do you need somebody to come
0: read the intro that I wrote for you because I'm I'm volunteering man you I can will do it in come. Japanese right I I will learn Japanese for that experience if that gets me there reading that bio uh, <laughs> introducing you getting you up on oh stage getting people pumped up about Sage, <laughs> I will absolutely do that
1: I'm so excited for that man the show's gonna be four days I've never been anywhere international before I'm going by myself I'm only bringing two bags. And, and one of them is my content backpack. The other one is just a normal backpack. So, so technically one bag. Um, and I'm going to be there for two and a half, almost three weeks. Uh, after that show, I'm going to spend almost two weeks traveling, I think like 1600 miles across Japan or something. Wow. Um,
0: that's just, magical.
1: Just kind of experiencing that. I'm going to buy my whatever clothes and shoes I need while I'm there. Um, that's amazing. And I think that that wrap. That's an end of the year thing. I'm also doing a very big um, thank you campaign, which you are a part of. I'm 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 doing this big thank you campaign for a hundred people, a um, hundred colleagues of mine throughout this year. Um, I can't give too much away on that, but uh, if I start asking for your address in your DMs, it's not in a creepy way. <laughs> it's, it's to send you a gift. <laughs> I
0: love that. Uh, I anything that comes out of your mouth, it, it would be hard pressed to find something somebody who would find anything that came out of your mouth creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a packed schedule. Um, <clears throat> as your final thoughts, <clears throat> Jacob, what is your vision for the future of this industry? And and again, we're going to jump into an an episode two. So Mm -hmm. I don't want you to give too much away for that. Um, But what is your vision for the future of manufacturing? And and how can the rest of us, whether we're in the industry, uh, as entrenched as Mm -hmm. myself and some of uh, our colleagues and friends in the industry, or you know small shop owners big shop owners or or regular as you call them civilians how can we be a part of that vision
1: the the major thing that everybody has to understand and you have to instill this in your head every day is that you don't have to be special that that is the number one thing you don't have to be special in this industry and in whatever industry you want to go into you really don't I came from nothing. I came from from some average dirt and I'm still not doing anything exceptional. I'm just doing what I want to see happen. I, I just want to be, I want to see change and so I'm going to be changed. And that that's really as simple as I can make it for any, I don't care how small your shop is either. If you want to do something, look at ways, not how other people are doing it but how you can accomplish it yourself. That's that special thing. You don't say, oh, well, we're not this company. We'll never be this company. They're not special. They may have more assets than you. They may have had more opportunities, but that doesn't make them special. Um, you can get there. And I think that's the biggest thing. Is And that's the only way we're going to see change in our industry is if we realize you don't have to be special. You don't have to be a nerd or some... Expert or some kind of genius to get into engineering or robotics, um, anybody can get started in it, and anybody in this industry can start making a difference and can start producing change. I hope one day people like to say, "What are you going to do?" When there's a bunch of content creators in our industry all talking about the same thing, good, awesome. Then, then I don't yeah. have to do it anymore. I don't, <laughs> the problem? I'll move on to one of the other. Freaking 50 issues that are on our plate because I know these people got it locked down and other people are getting after it and getting it handled. That's all I want for this industry.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for today. Uh, we started out this episode with a ton of energy. Uh, we laughed, but more importantly than anything, we had a heartwarming look into, Jacob's career and his take on this industry that so often has such a negative connotation. And, and so thank you very much, Jacob, for being on today. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, if you listeners are not leaving this episode, feeling touched and fresh, like, uh, a, a air freshener in a taxi <laughs> cab in New York city, then, you need to hit the rewind button and listen to the whole thing over again. We've tackled everything from mental health to unlocking the secrets behind trying to bridge generational divides and and hearing Jacob's story himself from that kid who would hustle for wood chips that existed (laughs) on the playground to having this empire of, heartwarming content that he produces. And please, if you, if you haven't yet, please check out his content, his show on LinkedIn, his podcast. Um, If you haven't started buzzing like a high speed spindle after this episode, you need to check your pulse. So if you're ready for more, don't stop this party swing by the manufacturing culture podcast.com website, keep the mojo flowing. Uh, there's show notes, there's episodes, there's blogs, it's all there waiting for you. And if this episode lit a fire under you, don't keep it a secret, tell your pals, colleagues, And yeah, even your grandma smash that share button people and slide into your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review and a rating. Uh, your two cents help us bring more people like Jacob to the show. Uh, and more importantly, it gives us more exposure on these podcast platforms, which makes sure that more people are, are able to see and hear the, the episodes. So. Right now it's time to wrap it up, but remember, it's not just about the nuts and bolts, it's about lighting up the culture of this entire industry. So until next time, have a great day and keep making things.